With every single bit of your pursuit, your passion, and your energy, you're focusing primarily on the things of God. And so what we say is, this is what Jesus is saying for those of you who call yourself Christ followers, who would call yourself Christians, who would call yourself in relationship with Jesus. He would say his expectation, right? His expectation of relationship with you is that the things that are on his heart, the things that he desires, his kingdom, well, they become the primary pursuit and desire of your life. The primary pursuit, passion, and energy of your own heart would focus on the kingdom, the things of God. And we all recognize, right? We all recognize that the world that we live in is not doing awesome. Everything is not awesome, right? It's like it's not. Everything's not awesome. We look at the, the moral depravity, the moral depravity that's like really just gripped the United States of America for the last 45 years. It's amazing to see how far we've come, right? And so we live in this place that people would say, hey, it's a dark place. Death is raining. God's bringing judgment. And we find a lot of people in the church, like they're isolating themselves. They're pulling out of culture. They're distancing themselves. So we have like Christian music and, and Christian yellow pages, right? We talk about all of these like Christendom, Christian world type things. And we have all of these things that allow us to separate ourselves from the world. And God says, no. I've called you to be a light in darkness, right? I've called you to be salt of the earth, which basically means we come and we bring life. We are to come and be light in darkness, life in the area of death. And so what Jesus would say is, I don't want you to separate yourself from, I want you to so engage in a Christ way that your life literally brings light into darkness and brings life in moral decay. Seek first the intervention of God's kingdom, Eden, and bring heaven to earth, God's will and desires on earth as he's already spoken it in heaven. That's what we talked about last week. That's where we are. We are to be a people who wake up and realize, my gosh, I have lived almost every moment of my life focusing on me, my career, my marriage, my family, my children, my vacations, my pleasures, my desires, my longings. How much of your time, if you're honest, revolves around those things? And Jesus is saying people of God have to be a people who wake up to seek first the kingdom and the things of God. The primary pursuit and primary passion and primary longings and the primary energy of your everyday life. That just seems almost foreign to us. But Jesus says, those who are my followers, that's what they do. They remove distractions. Listen to the message from last week to get the rest of it. And so in this, right, we're going to be people who seek first the kingdom. What I'd say this morning, we're going to go back a chapter and look at chapter 11 of Luke. And we're going to, to read from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, what I would believe is this posture. Like, you don't know I mean by posture, right? This posture that we have before Jesus that allows us and causes us to be people who seek first the kingdom. 
Take your Bibles. You can turn to Luke chapter 11. I'm reading from what's called the English Standard Version. It's what will be on the screen so you can read along with me or you can read from your Bible app or your own paged Bible. Could you believe people still have those, right? No, seriously. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So get the picture here, right? The disciples are sitting here. They've just watched Jesus pray. They realize he under, listen, he understands something about a prayer life that they don't get. He, they recognized because some of them were actually probably John's disciples back in the day and, and they had watched and they had seen John just teach his disciples how to pray and they probably recognized John had a better prayer, prayer life than they did. So like, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray because they probably had lousy, stinky prayer lives like most of us, right? That's good news for us. So Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said to them, verse two, when you pray, say, we, we actually just sang it. We just sang the Lord's Prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted or has sinned against us and lead us not into temptation. Because on in verse 5 it says, he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and have nothing to step before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. This is a story teaching about prayer, okay? I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. We all went, what is impudence? And I tell you, ask will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son or daughter asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him or her a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil in comparison to how great God is, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father... Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So in this moment, the first four verses are a model. Like, I just want to let you know, for those of you who especially come from like more traditional backgrounds, the expectation of God was not that you learned the Lord's Prayer and then could recite it at the end of every prayer or in service to make sure you're a good Christian or when you're in kids' church to make sure you're a good Christian or to pray at the dinner table or to pray when you get scared at night in a thunderstorm, right? He says, this is a model. You can break every verse down to say, when you come to me, this is what it looks like. So the first part of it is worship. Hallowed be your name. So the first part of your prayer time when you come to be with God is to say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. I focus on God's goodness. I focus on God's power. I focus on his beauty. I focus on his majesty. I focus on all of these things. Why? Because when I look at God's power, his goodness, his glory, and I look at the listen, when I look at how huge God is, It puts everything else in life in perspective. It does, doesn't it? 
I said the first service when I when I was I remember there have been seasons of my life when I just get really overwhelmed, maybe even depressed, despairing of life in my in my in my life, and I would go and I would hike up a mountain, and I would look down because it gave me perspective. Right, I could look down like everything is so small. And when I look at the size and the breadth and the width of God's love and power and majesty and glory, then everything else in life has a healthy perspective. Oh, look how big God is. Oh, God can do any of this. So hallowed be your name. I focus and begin with worship. The next part of it, your kingdom come. He wants, he wants things to break onto earth, so I pray for things outside of myself. I pray for leadership. I pray for my kids. I pray for my neighbors. I pray for stuff outside of myself, right? I could do that for a while. Then I pray third, give us each day our daily bread. He's not literally saying, hey, God, give me a sandwich. He's saying, pray for the things, the needs that you have, your own manna. What do you need? What are you struggling with? You pray for yourself third in this, right? Then forgive us our sins. It's time of repentance. God, where am I in error in my life? Where am I following things that are not Christ-like? Jesus, I give them to you and I turn back to you. And the last one is, God, help me to know where the areas of sin and temptation are in my life so I don't continue down that track. I follow you. And that can be a long prayer, can't it? So this is a model. You get that right? It's not literally. I don't care if you recite it. That's great, too. But it's really a model to teach you when you come to God what it should look like. So Jesus then teaches them this model. And then in the this is this is beautiful in the full knowledge that Jesus had of them. He recognized teaching them a model was not enough. He then needed to teach them a healthy posture and position before God because their posture and position before God was faulty and it was broken. So he wants to speak and basically looks at them. So this is what Jesus can do. I love this one. He can see all things at all time. One of my great things I love about Jesus always just messes me up. I'm realizing Jesus already lives with me in eternity while living with me in the temporal all at the same time. So when he looks at me, he knows me there and he knows me here and he looks and goes, this is who you're becoming. And that's my primary focus of you. So let's work on this now. Isn't that beautiful? And so he looks at them in his full knowledge of who they're going to be, who they are, their weaknesses and goes, "Mm, I've taught you a model, but you're not going to be able to do it well. So I'm going to teach. I'm going to give. I'm going to tell you a story that's going to help you understand yourself. And so what it can look like when you come to me to pray. So he creates this contrasting story. We're going to see this contrast in a moment. A man is sitting in his house and a friend comes to him at a late hour, right? 12 midnight and has no food to feed him. So he gets up from his house, goes over to his neighbor's house, starts knocking on the door, say, hey, hey. Hey, I know you're home. I saw you a few minutes ago, right? Open the door. Hello. Hey, man, what's going on? The guy comes to the door. Dude, it is the middle of the night. My children are sleeping, right? You woke them up. The door is shut. I do not want to help you. That's the last thing I want to do. I want to be sleeping right now. So he's seeing it, right? Doesn't want to be bothered. The door is shut. 
He is sleeping, doesn't want to get up, and doesn't want to give him anything. This is the pieces right now. I think on the screen right there. This is a contrasting piece. That's one side over here. And what you have is this one guy with his impudence, right? Impudence, which simply means shameless boldness or audacious confidence. Impudence, shameless boldness or audacious confidence. And so we see, you see the picture here, right? You see one guy over here who does not want to be bothered. And you see this other guy at 12 o'clock at night with shameless boldness knocking on the door because he needs some bread to feed his friend. You get the picture, don't you? Like, do you know those people who come with impudence, shameless boldness? You're like, you look and go, I cannot believe that person just said that in public to me. Are you kidding me? I can't believe that person just asked me. This person just asked if they could live in my room for an entire year, not pay me anything, and eat my food. Are you kidding me? I can't believe they just asked that. That is, oh my gosh, that is gutsy, right? I can't believe they just asked that. Imagine, imagine if I came to your house at 3 a.m. in the morning, right? And I'm knocking. Hey, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Two things at one time. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful right there. Knocking and dinging, right? But this whole dynamic going down and, and you're like, you come to the door. You don't want to get up. I've just woken your kids up and they're all screaming. What is that? Who's knocking on our door, daddy, right? And you're like, oh, Pastor Steve, great to see you, brother, right? You don't want me there. And I'm like, dude, hey, man, my friend just came out of town, and I need some milk because he wants some Fruity Pebbles. The only thing in life that's going to sustain him right now is Fruity Pebbles. And I saw you at Publix earlier, saw you bought three gallons of milk. Who needs that much milk, by the way, right? And can I just, I'll listen, borrow a gallon. I will literally, I will pour the, I'll pour him one, pour one bowl, and then I'll bring it back, or I'll keep it and buy you a new one, right? But I need the, I need the milk. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious right now. Can you, I just, can you just go get it for me right now? Because I need to go, he's really hungry, man. And you're like, ah, and you walk over, you get them. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. You just ask, walk off. That would not make you happy. Right? Like that's what's happening here. He's contrasting this guy who is coming with like shameless audacity, boldness, confidence, right? Like really maybe a little bit too much confidence. It seems like coming to get some bread at night. And the reason that he gives it to him, listen, the reason that he gives it to him is not because he's a friend and it's not because he loves him. He's giving it to him because of the social code that defines this Jewish culture they live in, which basically teaches this. If anyone who comes to your house in need, you have to provide what they ask to not answer by getting this man bread would have caused him literally to be ridiculed in the community long and short the man gave him bread so that he wouldn't be ridiculed and made to feel shamed and so we contrast that with what we know about god at least what we hope we know about god 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 never sleeps and slumbers right he is never bothered by our coming right he his door is never shut he will always arise, and he gives us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness, according to Second Peter 1. 
And so what we see right here is a contrast. We see not nice, shame-filled neighbor in a comparison contrasted with who God is. Why the contrast? Because Jesus, I believe, recognizes that we as human beings, when we come to pray, when we come to be near God, if we're completely honest, we approach him in the mindset of the neighbor rather than who God actually is. We come to him and think, oh, God's not going to answer my prayer. God's not really listening. God doesn't really care. God really is not present with me. God's not going to get up and bring me anything. God is not near. He is distant. He is disconnected. And I don't even know why I'm praying in the first place. And so we say, prayer is boring. And what you really mean is, prayer has never been good for me, so why do I want to keep on doing it? Because when I come, it's just like the neighbor that Jesus names. He only gives me because he feels bad about it. He only gives them to me because, well, he's shamed. He only gives to me because, oh, I guess I have to give to so-and-so, right? Whatever it is. Or he just doesn't give it all, says no, doesn't answer. He's distant, disconnected, and I feel like I'm just, my, my words are hitting the ceiling. And Jesus looked at his disciples, this is good news, and realized That's exactly what they were experiencing. He's contrasting because they understood that. They had grown up with prayer. They knew prayer. They recited prayers. And they did not know how to pray. They had spent their entire lives growing up praying, and it was never good. So they they looked at Jesus and saw something different about his prayer life. There seems to be this, like, open communication where Jesus is playing, like, Playing toss with God. Hey, God, Father, boom. And then God kind of throws the ball back in communication. Isn't that what communication looks like? I throw something out, and then you throw something back. Let me tell you something. My least favorite people in the world are the one-sided conversationalists. And if you are one, I don't like you. I'm just kidding, right? No, there's this whole dynamic. I listen to people talk for an hour. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, my life, oh, I got to go. <laughs> right? Or, yeah, I got to text somebody, right, because I'm too important to listen to you. One-sided conversations are lame and boring. And that's what prayer is so much like. It's like, right? And we never hear from God back, right? Hear back from God because we never listen. We don't know how. We live in this like, oh, tension that he's not going to communicate, relate, and be connected to me. It's exactly what his disciples. And so he's contrasting. And in the part of that, he doesn't say that the shame, that the, the impudence, the shameless boldness, the audacious confidence of coming to the Lord is wrong. He seems to be saying that's how you're, that's the posture you're supposed to have. This, this blameless, excuse me, shameless boldness, this audacious, this brazenness in, in coming to God. And when you do, you ask and you seek and you knock and when you do it, I think it's beautiful in verses 11 through 14. And when you do it, recognize what father among you, verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Like, God's not going to meet us with our needs, right? 
If you then, who are evil, like comparison to the greatness of God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Holy Spirit was in the best of God, the fullness of God. He would give the fullness of Himself in the context of our life of prayer. So Jesus is coming and saying, I recognize the contrast. You live over here, but this is true about God. So when you come, there's this impudence, this, this, this shameless boldness, this audacious confidence of all day long saying, hey, 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 right? Whatever it may be that we come in this, in this beautiful reality of asking, seeking, and knocking. Why? Because he is a good, loving, kind, compassionate caring, holy and heavenly father who wants to bring heaven and bring it here. He wants to bring the fullness of who he is to us. So what can we take away from the scriptures? Number one, you have to recognize your faulty position. These are kind of your action points here, right? Recognize your faulty, your faulty posture before God. Are you like the disciples? All of us are in some form or fashion. Almost none of us in this room are great prayers. We're not great at really connecting with the heart of God. We're not great at playing toss with God back and forth in the context of relationship, communication, and, and connection. Jesus teaches a model of prayer, right? It's beautiful. But he recognizes the obstacles. And do you recognize the obstacles? Recognize them. Do I really feel like God is bothered by my coming? Do I really feel like the door is shut? Do I, if I'm honest, feel like he's sleeping and slumbering when I'm trying to talk to him? Do I believe he actually moves or just won't get up for me? Do I actually believe he's going to give me something? Get to look at our posture, recognize our faulty posture, and then embrace a correct posture. A posture of impudence, shameless, boldness, audacious, coming, brazen. Listen, we are not coming arrogantly but with the confidence of one who is loved well. We come to God with confidence of one who is loved well. Listen, at 3 a.m. in the morning as parents, and one of our girls cries out because they've had a bad dream, do you know what we do? We don't turn, roll over. We don't say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has that one. No, we get up out of bed. We quickly make our way up the stairs. We come in and put our hand on their head, their arm, let them know that we are. We, we announce ourselves in advance. We won't scare them. Then we put our hand on their body and say, what's wrong? And then we pray for them or we'll crawl in bed with them or we'll hug on them or whatever it may be. Why? Is it because I feel shamed in doing so? Because you might find out, find out I didn't get up, so I went ahead. Well, I don't want the church to find out my bad dad. So I'm going to go ahead and go upstairs and take care of my kids. I don't care what you think. I get up because I love my kids. I get up because I want them to know I love them. I get up because I want them to know that I care. I want them to scream out if they need me to so that I can come upstairs and love on them and care for them because that's what good parents do. And so when I come here in this correct posture, I might, listen, Anna, Catherine, and Sarah, they don't go, oh, my gosh, I'm afraid to call out. No, they go, Dad, Mom. Last line, it was Mommy, praise God, right? No, it's this beautiful thing. It's right. It's this beautiful thing of crying out. And like, in there, I'm like, baby, I was asleep. I know you were, but I needed you. Okay, I love you, <laughs> right? 
impudence, his confident boldness. And with that, then, I then embrace what Jesus says. All right, so now that you've changed your posture, you've recognized a faulty posture, you've begun to go after a, a healthy posture. The third thing is then embrace with confidence, asking, seeking, and knocking. I love this story, right? The asking, seeking, and knocking, it points to humility, doesn't it? It's not just brazen arrogance. It's no, I come confidently, but I come needy. I can't make these things happen. That's what asking, seeking, and knocking me. I'm asking because actually you're in control. I'm not. I'm seeking because you know all things and I don't. I'm knocking because I don't have the power of my own ability to open the door. I need you to do it. So it's not just like this, like I'm so like arrogant. coming in. No, it's like knocking because I know he loves me and it's okay to do that because he wants that because he, he prefers that if I knock and I come in humility saying, but God, you know, I can't do this. You have to make it happen. So we see this confidence. We see this embracing, embracing of asking, seeking, and knocking. And I love that you have to recognize that Jesus, in contrasting, he paints a picture of the relationship here between, between a neighbor and friend. And over here, he shifts then to God, the Father, and child. And he wants us to have this shift, not even seeing ourselves as God's friend, but as God's children. Like, I love David Gillum, but he's probably not at 3 a.m. in the morning to come knock on my door. But I guarantee when he wakes up at 3 a.m. in the morning and there's something heavy on his heart, he prays with all of his might. Without worrying, like, oh, I hope God's awake right now. All right? That'd be silly. So, at brace, asking, seeking, and knocking. The beautiful thing with the asking, seeking, and knocking is the, the, the promise that comes with it. Ask, and I promise it will be given. Seek, and I promise you will find. Knock, and I promise the door will be open. We do these the high level of confidence in the context of humility and need for Jesus. We ask because only he can provide, right? We do this because we only know we need God. Living in a place of, of, of boldness and humility. In fact, let me say this to you. Boldness married to humility is the perfect posture before Jesus in all things. Boldness and humility are the perfect posture before Jesus. I'm coming confidently of him as my father, feeling very comfortable and confident. One of my favorite movie scenes ever is from Anna and the King with the, the, the Jodie Foster one back when I was in college in the 90s. And I've said the story. I've told you the story here before, but there's this moment when, when like two people get in a fight, and so the little one, the littlest daughter, she comes running. You don't know where she's going, and it kind of goes from her to the to her father, who's the emperor. And like people are literally on the ground. Like if they look up, they will have their heads chopped off, right? And so they're like like talking to the emperor, kind of like 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 this with their eyes down, trying to talk to him so they can hear him. Because they keep their head down, so they get their head chopped off, right? And all of a sudden she comes running out of this hallway, and she like you little little bit, right? And she just bursts through the door, and everybody's like looking at her. Everybody's like looking like look down like, oh, like this like oh my dear I'm so confused right and she just confidently with all of her might runs up and jumps in her dad's lap and says someone's so fighting him blah 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 right that's us right that's this boldness and humility that God wants us to have 
this, these three actions of asking, seeking, and knocking, these are actions that God's calling us to, not out of like duty or like, you're going to do this, right? No, it's more out of this confident desire to communicate with dad. And boldness and humility. What I want to do is I'm just going to break down asking, seeking, and knocking. I don't want you to over-spiritualize them. I don't want to over-theologize them. I just want to look very sim- with great simplicity and very practically at what Jesus is saying. Asking, I come to the Father and ask. Why? Well, His kingdom come. There are things that we know are God's will. So if I go into a meeting with someone and I know God wants to use me to speak life and say, God, grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may be able to speak the word of God into this person's life. God, I'm asking that you would bring salvation to my neighbor. God, I'm asking, I see this person who, who is lame and in need. God, I'm asking, for the, I'm asking for healing because God desires to move in healing, right? We know there are things that God wants to do. God wants to bless your children at school this year. So we just ask that God would move in their life and protect them and make them a light in darkness. There's all sorts of things we can immediately ask because we know They are God's will. So we come confidently knowing those who ask will receive. Second part of that is the seeking. Well, there, I don't know about you, but I don't always know. I don't always know God's will. I'm sure you're better than I am and always know it. I don't always know it. So I come seeking. I'm getting up saying, God, I don't know what your will, desire, and purposes are in this situation, in this relationship. So, God, I'm seeking. I, I ha- Before I step, I need to know. I need to know what's going on here. Seek and you will find, he says, right? And the third thing is there's knocking. How many of you have been praying for at least 20 years for someone in your family to come to Christ? Persistence. I continue to knock. Why? Because in humility, I know that I can't open the door, that I need Jesus to do it. So I'm going to continue to pray alongside of him, knowing it's his will. I'm going to continue to pray persistently without ceasing for this thing that I know that God wants to do. I'm not annoying him with that. I'm just continuing to pray because there's something I don't get it, but there's something in the context of persistent intercession, praying until we're released from something or praying until the answer comes that God desires of us as children. Why? I really don't know. I just know he comes and says, pray without ceasing. Continue to cry out. Why? Because I am always interceding and I am always crying out. Jesus is, listen, Hebrew says he is always making intercession for the saints, which basically means he is always in communication with the Father for us and for our nation and for all the other nations of the world. Interceding for revival, interceding for salvation, interceding and praying for breakthrough without ceasing, asking, seeking and knocking. Jesus said, seek as a primary energy and pursuit of everything in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and the things of God. And the posture of the seeking is I'm coming in shameless, boldness, audacious, confidence, Laced with humility, boldness and humility linked together so you can't really tell the difference between them. 
before a loving father who always wants to say yes if he can because no dad or parent likes to say no if yes is a possibility. And he wants to move. He only says no because it's the best thing for us. And he wants to move in this and it'll raise us up to this confidence of pray, of asking and of seeking and of knocking and not being offended when it does not come in our timing. So this morning I invite Chris to come. We're going to go into a time of this time of prayer, time of worship and into a time of prayer. And here's what I want us to do this morning. We believe in responding to the word that God is speaking. Number one, just be honest. You know, I've sat with God and said, oh, my gosh, God, I'll be completely honest with you. The last thing I want to do right now is pray. I don't want to do it. I don't even like it. I don't like coming. It's not, it's like I'm not enjoying it very much right now. The last thing I want to do is come and throw out some prayers. I'm not, I'm not hearing real well from you right now, God. So this is not fun for me. All right. I'll have to check my posture before the Lord. And so some of us just need to be honest. Like, please go have an honest conversation with God. Of saying, be honest with you. Like, or saying, like oh, dear God, uh, I don't know if this, don't know if this kind of conversation thing with you is. This is really weird because I can't see you. I can't explain. Oh, this is so weird. Right? But I want to, I mean, if you were there, it would be really cool like, like, to kind of hang out with you and talk with you. Hey, man, something like that. Right? Whatever. Do that. I could care less. What you, there's no such thing as a bad prayer before God. Prayer and be honest with him about where you are, about your, about your obstacles, about your, your difficulties. Right? Talk with him about your posture. Just figure out where you are. second thing is, and then ask, say, God. Help me to have this type of posture before you of impudence, of this shameless boldness, this brazen audacity and confidence to come before you knowing you want to do this in the confidence that you would never give me a scorpion. You'd never give me something. You would give you give good gifts because you're my father and you don't just give me gifts. You give me the best of yourself, the works of your Holy Spirit in my life to to fill me and to empower me. God, I want the best of you. And then I want you to pray. Hayden, the words won't be on the screen to sing because we're going to put they're going to put we're going to put this, these verses up here. Luke chapter 12, verses two through four, whatever it is, the Lord's prayer. And I want you to, to practice Pray before the Lord, oh God, show me. I want to just thank you that you were huge and show me the magnitude of your power and your love and your kindness. God, I want to know the, I want to know the mountain-sized version of your joy in my life, God, that acts as a buoy and lifts me up in the context of everything else because I have perspective of how great you are in comparison to everything in life. God, I want to worship you. And God, I want to pray for the things of your kingdom. God, I, I agree with Steve. Our world is just struggling. And I'm praying you would, I pray for our leaders. I pray for President Obama. I pray for our Congress. God, I pray for, for our state senators and our governor. God, I pray, for, I pray for our community. I pray for the mayor. I pray for the teachers. Whatever it may be, we're praying. Listen, we're not praying prayers of slander. Oh, God, Obama's a complete idiot. Oh, Jesus, just bless him if you can. Don't sin by praying that prayer. Don't sin by praying that prayer. 
Say, God, thank you that you love our president, that you placed him there, and that you were moving in his life even when we can't see it. We're praying for God's kingdom to come. Stop slandering people when you pray for them. It's a side note, right? Pray for God's kingdom. And then pray for the things of your own needs. After you've prayed and feel released in that, oh, God, you know I'm so struggling right now. I don't know what to do with jobs. I don't know my, my, my kids. I don't know what to do in my, in my marriage. I'm struggling, Jesus. Pray for those. Just continue to pray through that, okay? So that's ministry time today. We have ministry teams who can love to pray for you today. We have our offering baskets here. We have a nice, neat box in the back now for those you want to rather give there. We just ask this morning to be faithful to the Lord and what he would have you give. We're still in a difficult place financially. June was not a great month. We're another $10,000 short in our budget. Hey, we're praying and asking and seeking and knocking even in those. I invite you to ask, seek, and knock with us and be obedient to God in your giving. For those of you who have been obedient to God in a new, powerful way in giving, thank you. Thank you. That is awesome. And we just bless God and praise you for that. And we're going to trust him with everything else moving forward. Okay? Communion available for those who would like to take communion to celebrate God's faithfulness in sending his son to paint a picture for us that we are loved. We are accepted by him. That we have been received with open arms. Celebrate him today. Okay? Respond as the Lord leads. We'll come back after a song and I'll release you. You guys, we love you.
blossomed in glory. His face I at last shall see. Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of His love for me. For singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall Father, we thank you for this morning. And God, we thank you for how, for your love, how marvelous and how wonderful it is, Jesus. Lord, this morning, you know the awakening that we're praying for in our own lives and the lives of your children. That we're asking for it, we're seeking and knocking, God, persistently. That you would awaken your church, your people, to the truth of Jesus the work of God in their lives, and the work of God in our community. And we're asking today, Jesus, would you awaken us? We're asking again, would you awaken us to the things of your kingdom, so that our primary passion, pursuit, and energies are given to your kingdom, that we would live in a posture, Lord, of, of shameless boldness before you, married with humility, asking and seeking and knocking for the things that you desire to do. And so, Lord, I pray today, Jesus, just a breakthrough in each person's life here, that you would change the lens that's defined the way that they look at life, but primarily, Jesus, you would change the lens of how they view you, that you would take this contrasting reality we looked at in Luke 11 and make it a reality of a God, a Father, who loves us, and it would change everything about our communication with you. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You guys are officially released. We're going to stay in a time of worship for a while. But I invite you, just invite you to stay. But if you'd like me to go, you can. And uh, we bless you. Have a great week. And we hope to see you soon.